Welcome to this week's serving of Oyster Stew, a mix of financial services commentary and insights. Each week, we'll discuss what is happening in the industry based on what we see as we work with regulators and clients. We hope you come away with the knowledge and tools to help you make the best decisions for your firm's future. Hi, everyone. I'm Rob Hall. I'm the CFO of Oyster Consulting and the host of today's podcast. Today, I'm here with Oyster's FinOp consultants, Jeff Harple and Clark Tucker, and we'll talk a bit about FINRA's exam priorities as far as spin-offs are concerned, and in light of the COVID-19 virus, what firms should be considering around the business continuity plans and FINOP work. Jeff and Clark both have extensive experience as outsourced FINOPs, as well as having held CFO and FINOP positions in the securities industry prior to working for Oyster. So Jeff, earlier this year, FINRA produced their annual exam priorities letter. And there were a couple items specifically around FinOp work. Can you talk a little bit about them? The basics, they are still going to cover for all of us. They're still going to make sure you're complying with the net capital rule. Your books and records are up to date. What you call allowable and not is all accurate. You know, we're, we're, as FinOps, we're never going to get out of those things. <laughs> They're going to, like, always look at those. Don't forget that. You know, it's like... You know, they're, they're going to come in the door and they're going to say, let's see your trial balance and your balance sheet and your net capital calculation for this month end. And, and all those things are going to happen just like they always do because they always look at them. And in addition to that, well, then we have, okay, they might focus a little bit more heavily on the bank suite program if you're a clearing firm and how you do that or if you actually do underwritings, how you make sure you have your commitments and how you're getting the information as a FinOp to get the right commitment charge. But but the basics are always going to be covered. So be ready no matter what. <laughs> so we know that, you know, FINRA is going to come in and do an exam and they're going to look at all the normal things. They're going to check at capital. They're going to check your adherence to reserve requirement if that happens to apply to you. And th this year they have a couple of specific areas they want to highlight and focus on, um, one of which is cash management and bank suite programs. Now, for many of our firms, they might not do that, but if you are a clearing firm or maybe even an introducing firm who is involved in this program through through a clearing firm, you know, this might be important to you. A, a lot of the issues they're highlighting relate to how you disclose and sell and get people to sign up for the program which isn't really FinOp, but there are a couple of points that kind of do roll into the FinOp world. And that is that they're going to check to make sure that a firm is performing reconciliations of customer balances held at each destination bank. I mean, that's important because if there are reconciling differences, it could have an impact on your 3-3 calculation, your reserve calculation, in that you might have credits you have to include in the formula or if you have unfavorable differences, you might have capital charges. So, you know, be, be aware that their focus might be how it's being sold and marketed, but there's still impacts to the FinOp area. And they're also going to look at bank suite programs and how the money actually moves to the either bank or money market fund, as the case may be. Because it's still your credit in your reserve formula until it gets there. And you have to be careful of how the money's in transit and 
how do you have it recorded? So those things matter to the bank sweep programs. They're also going to look at contractual commitments arising from underwritings. And again, a lot of our clients don't do that, but many others do. So it's important from a FinOp perspective. Again, they're, they're, a lot of their focus is marketing and sales, what I would call sales practices. But still, FinOps get infected. Um, FinOps need to know what the commitments are. They have to be able to get the documentation, have the documentation of whether it's a firm commitment or best efforts. You know, best efforts, you're not going to have a firm commitment capital charge, a firm commitment underwriting, you will. And you have to know what that underwriting is, what the product is, what that commitment charge will be. And we all know that, you know, you have 100% of whatever that is for at least the moment you sign the deal. So there's a lot of information you need to make sure you get and make sure you document. As we've said in other blogs, if it's not documented, it didn't happen. You know, be aware of those things and check your procedures. Make sure they're up to date and you've got everything documented, signed, sealed, and delivered. Okay, thanks, Jeff. So in light of what's going on these days with the COVID-19 virus, let's take some time now to talk about the firm's business continuity plans and how they can affect FinOp work. You know, we've always known that net capital is a moment-to-moment -moment calculation, and you've always had to be able to do that no matter the circumstances, and you've always had to have contingency plans, business continuity plans. So if this goes down, you know, you got another way to do it. And I don't know that this is going to be that different unless it gets really, really bad. I mean, my, my expectation is with it, well, they expect to have a business continuity plan. They expect you to be able to work from home if you have to. So be, be ready to do that. A firm has to be able to maintain their books and records during any kind of interruption. So if you normally go into the office to pay bills, let's say, how would you do that if you can't go to the office? You know, can you receive your invoices electronically, like Oyster sends out invoices via email, so they can be approved electronically through some sort of workflow process and still be paid? Um, you know, will that still happen and you can still be a viable company if nobody can go into the office? So, you know, those kind of things have to happen. And then it's not just getting people paid or invoices paid, but how is all that accumulated? How do all the other journal entries get in? Do people have access to accounting systems remotely? Is there a workflow remotely that will allow for approval of transactions? And then the compilation of all the data so you can create reports. You know, can all that happen if people can't go into the office? You know, normal business continuity for a finance kind of area. It just happens to be a virus. It could have been anything else. You know, they're pretty routine thoughts you, ha you have to have in mind. And that's a basic uh, business continuity plan is, yeah. but, but if you drill down just to FinOp uh, work, you need to make sure you you have access to the finances or somebody has access to the finances that uh, can run reports and, and send, send to the FinOp. Uh, and as Jeff touched on uh, the, the FinOp is uh, responsible for the books and records. So uh, keeping the books and records uh, up to date and secure, then uh, that's all part of it. 
This is sort of an unscheduled test of people's business continuity plan. Well, we, our process, the, the, the upside is, is that our process is basically remote anyway. Our general daily process is remote, except for, for the few times that you, you know, feel like you need to go get to the office. So we are working a, a remote process every day of the year as of an outsourced FinOp, as opposed to a FinOp that actually works there that is you know, physically located there. As an outsourced FinOp, we already have figured out how to do things remotely. And most of the firms we work with have figured out how to do things remotely. So it's, you know, those are already in place. The type of broker-dealer help, help also helps to determine this and, and the urgency behind it. Because, for example, a retail firm where client money and client securities and client trading and client best interests and client protection are critical, uh, that's going to have a higher priority. And smaller, limited purpose firms, you know, there's lower volume of business. So the the minute-to-minute sense of urgency is not, you know, on anywhere near the same level. Um you know, a, a firm that does M&A advisory, for example, they might not close, you know, merger and acquisition, but three times a year. And so the rest of the time, it's just, you know, basic accounting. But, you know, I mean, the, the sense of urgency is very different. It's when it's when we involve retail clients or trading firms where it where seconds matter or or the, the you know, the intraday um, difference matters. Uh, you know, is a great example. They issue commercial paper twice a year. And so all of that is kind of outside and not really, you know, that impactful on a, on a minute-to-minute basis. But, you know, we can know what their financials are because they're not changing rapidly. Uh, some of these other firms that have larger staff within the broker-dealer um, and retail business, it, it, that's where I think it, it takes a higher uh, priority. And you, know, you would hope that those firms do have the business recovery plans in place that allow them to at least get the basics done. Okay. That was all great information that I'm sure people in the industry are going to appreciate. So uh, thanks for sharing your experiences. And also, thanks to everybody for listening. If you have any questions about what we've discussed or other FinOp questions, or if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss in the future, feel free to call us at 804-965-5400 or visit our website at www.oysterllc.com.